It's time for another episode of Badoogie All-Stars with your host, Tecmo Super Bowl, Nixon the Grouch, and 2-4 Offsuit. Welcome to episode 29 of Badoogie All-Stars. This is Tecmo Super Bowl. This is Nixon the Grouch. This is too far off soon. <laughs> That's how we feel that you're here as well. Yes. It's a mutual... Sighs <sighs> are catching on, at least. It's not catching on. It's just... You we've... just... Both of you just... <sighs> accepted it. Good. Okay. I, like that like... I like that your trademark is a sound of disappointment. That's the show trademark, right? No. The show trademark is the sound of... Uh, I don't know what to talk about. Do you have an outline? One hand clapping. Is that how you got your uh, girlfriend with that sigh? No. <laughs> no. Definitely good looks and sigh. Oh, okay. And your ability to build tables. Yeah, yeah. Although that happened significantly after we were together, but I feel yeah, like she, she could see it coming. I was thinking that was what like she was on the fence until then, which is a fence that Jordan did well, not no, build. He hadn't built built that yet. I already she said. If I had built the fence myself, she would not be on it. She would be under it. It would have fallen on her. No, it's sturdy. It just weighs a lot. The fence? Yeah. Not my girlfriend. I didn't know. Whoa, I thought you... that was going to go down an endless road there, but it, it ended up with fireworks. <laughs> you learned that. To... Works. Not only can he build tables, he can dig himself into holes as well. <laughs> Speaking of fireworks, uh, what have you been up to, Bryce? Um, not not a whole lot. I had a we had a little barbecue for the Fourth of July, and I had to remember how meat is cooked because I don't normally cook meat. It was like it's pink, and I poke it. Um, but yeah, it was fun. My what? Freezing. I was gonna say I need to learn how to grill stuff as well now that I'm single <laughs> and need to cook. Yeah, okay. Because single men cannot cook indoors. That's the rule. Um, but my sister had gotten me for my birthday this Nerf gun that shoots little like rubber discs or foam discs because the cat's favorite toy is the rubber foot that fell off of the litter box, which <laughs> cats are right. like children like that. But these are the closest she had seen to something like that, so she thought I could shoot them and the cats would chase them. It turned into three hours of target shooting in my backyard with my friends. And they had to go to Target and buy the rapid fire gun, which now is sitting at my house for no good reason. So that sounds like is, a lot of fun. It yeah, was a lot like, of fun, but after a while, it's like, oh, I shot for six seconds, and now I need to walk across the yard and retrieve twenty foam things that are in all of the bushes. But it was fun. Why would so, you shoot them into the bushes? Because some people are not good. It's the same reason that I cannot store my soda under the dartboard. <laughs> because w- sometimes people will throw darts into cans of soda because they're really bad at darts. Uh, I get it. Yep. Did you really do that? You thought that would be a good plan to store it underneath the dartboard? <laughs> there was we in college. We had built a shelf under the dartboard to catch the dart. So the only way to hit the soda would be to throw the dart about six feet too low. Still happens. Uh, seems like a disaster waiting to happen. Yep. But my, and my sister's like point. Podcast. It's true. My sister coined the phrase reverse drive-by as my brother drove away slowly so we could run after him and shoot, try and shoot Nerf bullet things into his car. 
And then nice. he had to then he had to stop while we took them out because he was trying to leave. But <laughs> I picture got- somewhere somewhere in Compton there are gangsters running after a slow moving car shooting into it. Well, it's hard to oh, drive uh, fast if you're getting shot. Isn't that how Tupac died? Yep. Rest in peace. If he died. If he oh, died. That's right. I poured out all of my liquor. By the way, Tupac is actually in Cuba. Just is he playing on Poker Stars there? Um, I think so. Does that mean we're not allowed to buy his albums now? I'm not really sure how that Cuba thing works. Well, he faked his own death, so nobody can know. Right, but now I do know, and all of our listeners know, which means it's like it's an import from Cuba, and there's that whole th- embargo. He's thing. not selling them from Cuba. Where are they coming from then? If they're still they're selling from his old record label here in the U.S., he just gets the proceeds. Records. I thought Death Row Records wasn't even around anymore. Did it get executed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, Tom, what have you been up to? Um, well, like I said before, I'm now single, so ladies, I have, in line. ladies. <laughs> I have been, uh, yeah, who wants a bubble boy? Um, have you been using that as a line, don't, by the way? Don't lead with that. That's like lead, some embarrassing secret you tell later. No, you might as well lead with that because it gets it out of the way. Because when yeah, they I, find I, out... I like to play the pity card. Or you tell them before they know what that means, and then you just never bring it up again. They know it. They'll assume you have an immune deficiency and you live in a plastic bubble. And they'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, he seems kind of normal. And then if they ever find out about it, like, down the road and understand what it means, you'd be like, well, at least I was up front with it. And they were like, I don't even remember that. I told you. The second year, I didn't even come close to qualifying for the money, so that's better. (laughs) It's at least less of a, a letdown. Um. But anyway, uh, so I've been trying to uh, work out a little bit more, get in the gym more, you know, make a better product so that I could sell that. You could uh, just do those things on your own for your own good, whether you have a girlfriend or not. You, could put, a, more, you could put more effort into this podcast and use that to, as a promotional tool. Yeah, probably not the plus EV decision there. Um yeah, I could do it for myself, but right now I have the motivation to do it to get a hot girlfriend, and that's way more motivation than just for myself. So I'm doing it, and it's a nice bonus that uh, I get healthier and whatnot. But uh, yeah, so I've just been checking out mainly uh, Match.com and uh, just kind of trying to get out of the house and do things, and it's actually going pretty well. Can't complain. Good, good. You getting a new wardrobe yet? Uh, that's that's my next step is to actually get some new threads. Um, actually, after we record, I'm probably gonna head over to the the mall or something, and I don't really know what to get because I'm not stylish. Target. But that's where you should go. Target. Target. Uh, I don't know if that's where I'm gonna go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll take. I think my friend is coming over. Um, she might know more about that stuff. And I might oh, it's go a girl. I guarantee yeah. your friend knows more about it. That's yeah. not. That's a very low bar. But... Yeah. Even even before I found out she was a girl, I thought your friend would definitely know more. <laughs> yeah. So I might go with her to the mall and, uh, you know, check out boys. What did you say? Say so check out boys. Yeah. Talk. <laughs> 
talk about, I, I don't know, what girls talk about. Zach Efron. There you go. <laughs> Chaining yeah. tape. That's a good idea, though. Um, definitely take a female to the uh, to the mall if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, hopefully so, uh, she knows pretty... what she's doing, though. Yeah, well, I figure it can't hurt to try. But we'll see when I show up looking like the guys in Dumb and Dumber. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Although those starts Then you'll find... The you'll, orange you'll, I thought that would be you arriving at the mall looking like the guys from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> and then you'd be buying new clothes to replace what you've been wearing now. Um, no. no. Okay. Just trying to understand. <laughs> I'm just. I'm. I'm really. I'm looking for a sturdy, heavy girlfriend. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jordan, what have you been up to? Speaking of sturdy, heavy girlfriend. Wow. I would. No, it's just, I would never say that about your girlfriend because I thought it was really mean when you did. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. One of these days, she's going to listen to this podcast, and she'll be pissed at you. No, I was, she's going to be pissed at you. She's not going to listen past the point where she gets mad at you. She's going to stop it and punch you. <laughs> she's never going to know. She's never going to hear the part about me, cause, knowing that I jumped in the hole with you and started hanging out. <laughs> I'm it's, just putting it's sticks on down though. here. <laughs> like Pin Pin Patton, that's all I'm doing. I'm not jumping in. <laughs> Your girlfriend is very nice and one of my favorite listeners of our podcast. I agree. Um, anyways, uh, we are, we're ripping out our carpet and we're, we're putting in new hardwood floors. So it's been a, uh, an interesting couple of, couple of days here. Um, underneath all the carpet is just this kind of like drywallish floor material and it's, you can't walk around our place without wearing shoes on right now. So, um, but in a couple of days it'll be brand new hardwood and it'll be pretty sweet. What are you uh, getting? It's like they're like it's not like traditional hardwood. It's like these thick um, strips of like pre-made hardwood type thing. So yeah, I know a lot the, about this because I recently got new hardwood. So you can be more specific if you would like. I, I don't know anymore. Oh, okay. the specifics. I, I, mean, I, I think we are here. being as specific as we can. Unfortunately, <laughs> it looks you know, really not, sweet. It's not like hardwood. It's like other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, is it real wood? Um, I don't think so. I think it's like a laminate type thing. So you're um, not getting hardwood. You're getting is, new... Is it Pergo? No, it's not Pergo. Is it okay. linoleum? No. No, it's probably this, uh, this stuff that's just under hardwood. Uh, it's, it's like Medium blanks wood. of stuff. Yeah, it's like a composite type deal. Um, yeah, I almost okay. went with that. And they lock into place into each other, which yeah. is nice. Um, but it looks and really awesome. No Yes. I mean, when's the last time somebody stole your composite hardwood floor? Yesterday. Um, speaking of ripping up carpet, my uh, I just okay. got my last foster adopted. But the night before he got adopted, he decided to rip up the carpet in my bedroom. So yeah. that's fun. Is that why you're getting hardwood? <laughs> that's already halfway, have halfway there. But uh, that's no, part it, of why we had to. I uh, he ripped it up to the point where like. He got on. He, you know, ripped it all up, bent it back, and then all the padding underneath. He ripped that up. Oh wow! Um, so I don't know what to do. I'm gonna try to fix it myself because I imagine that's gonna cost a pretty penny to have someone come in and fix that. So, but we'll how see are you how gonna that works fix out. it yourself? I don't know. Piece put, together the padding. Put furniture um, over it. 
put it because the carpet <laughs> covered the carpet up with on the surface is actually pretty good. Like it's got a little damage, but not too much. How big of an area is it? Um, it's like from the door, so like a door, a width of a door, and then probably two more widths of a door to the wall that got peeled back. Um, and Can probably not use feet there to measure yeah. things. <laughs> um, all right, maybe, so we'll say maybe probably, you'd say if Mitch doesn't like the imperial system, the door-based measuring system is probably going to make him really angry. It's probably about fourteen hands. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a third of a furlong. Cubits or spans? It's probably six feet by two feet. Um, that seems huge. That's the carpet's intact, like a twelve square foot. Well, it section. just got it just got peeled back. Like I, oh, okay. it's like, and I put it back down. It's down right now. I just need to like fix the padding underneath. Did you okay. kick the dog after that? Tell did not. Did you did you kick him out of your house? He he actually locked on to one of the uh, planks <laughs> on my wood floor, and it gave him lockjaw. No. <laughs> and but, did you have to go to Home Depot to get the key to unlock it? Yes. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, I wanted to uh, interject there. Continue, Jordan. Um, yeah, so so our place is kind of a mess, and in this mess, my girlfriend decided that she wants to have a yard sale slash garage sale. Um, so that's what we're going to Literally gonna in the mess? Or... <laughs> no, because... Are you selling we're... old carpet? No, all the carpet just got driven away, um, much like Tom's dog. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if that's an insult. Emotionally? Um, like... Yeah, I mean, after the carpet incident, I feel. Did you like... tell it it was heavy? I didn't tell Tom's dog it was heavy. I would never do that. <laughs> I meant your carpet. Yeah, the carpet definitely was heavy, although I, I didn't mention it. Do so you have any good stuff I can buy? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, Is this, this like a pre-sale? Yeah. What do you, you got? Can, you can get pre-sale prices. Uh, I don't any know. Paintings she... by Jordan? No, I'm not selling any paintings. Oh. I tables. do have them here. Tables, mm, we might get like rid of one of the end tables. They're kind of like shitty and have glass on the top, which always gets dirty. So if you guys are thinking about getting a table with glass, I would recommend against it. Why don't you try cleaning You're the it? worst salesman ever. Yeah, that's true as well. Not my <laughs> table, just in general. Why don't you try cleaning the glass on the top of the table, and then it wouldn't be so dirty? Right, and then you clean it, and then fingerprints, whatever you set on it, is going to make it dirty again, so you have to clean it again. Why are you just putting handprints on your glass? Why don't you... I'm not. Oh, I don't, uh, I don't it's, do it. It's, My it's... girlfriend does it, and then she... Uh, uh, I'm staying out of the hole. I almost stepped in, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I mean, it's nice and cozy down here, right, Tom? Yeah, it's great. Uh, kind of kind of cold though. It's yeah. dirty. Daddy's in the doghouse. <laughs> um, so, so what else she, are you selling? Give us the I list. I don't know. That's the thing is that I don't know what she's is trying it to sell. Your stuff. I feel like that's probably what's gonna happen. Yeah. She's gonna be like, oh, you didn't need any of this stuff anyways. I was like, those are my things. Yeah. I'm, I've been I'm wearing down that those road. pants right now. <laughs> she's like, I'll sell them. And she has this idea that. I don't know. She's going to make she has the idea that she's going to make money on this, but she wants to sell everything for like 50 cents. Well, you have to sell everything for 50 cents. Yeah, so That's we're the thing come with away. Your I just had a wonderful idea. What? Are you selling any part of your wardrobe? Yes, I am. Can Tom buy it? 
Can you make it a little bigger? Um, actually, because they're too big, but I, I don't know if they'll fit you. Are oh. they stylish? Yeah. I think we have a deal. I think this is awesome. Uh, I will PayPal you 50 cents. Well, how many? You just want one? I don't know. How many do you have? Probably like 20. All right. I'll take 10. They're they're medium, though. Are you going to fit into a medium? Like shirts? Yeah. They're too big Uh, for Jordan, but Jordan is a very petite person. I'm a petite person. I'm just... You're very heavy. (laughs) And sturdy. Get in your own hole. (laughs) Me me offending you isn't a hole. That's the podcast. Yeah. You're the Um, new guy. So I, I mean, I could if you want. Do you want to try them? I mean, send me your measurements. I don't know what what that'll do, but he doesn't. <laughs> hey, at least we tried. He doesn't know how to measure himself. He's like, I don't know. Like, I'm like a door wide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like one of my arms is about the length of my arm. I'm like, yeah, I'm about two arms. My arms are high. two arms long. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a 34, 35. I think in the uh, or do you know what like the, that. do you know what that means? 34, 35 in, in pants no, in, in a dress shirt. Like no, no. Like do you know what like that measures? Arm length. Okay, I don't I know. Let's see if you even knew what those numbers meant. No, I, I, I have no idea. Do you know what about neck your neck? Size? Yeah, seventeen. Ooh, they, these are gonna be tight then. These are like fifteen. Well, don't just uh, don't button the top button. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have to button that. Don't button any of the buttons. Look, I'll make it work for fifty cents. All right. <laughs> okay, I'll send you one if, if you want. Yeah. Plus shipping. Plus shipping, though. Yeah. Shipping oh. seven dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, eBay. If it's anything like buying a CD from a band on the internet. Yeah. Yeah, I just bought a CD off the internet. It was like sixteen dollars, and then yeah, just last CD? week Amazon sold it for two ninety nine, plus fourteen dollars shipping. Not yeah. Amazon. I try very hard to buy music directly from the artists, and I feel like when you charge me $8 shipping for a CD, you're saying, please, just go to Best Buy and get it there. Yeah. You guys buy CDs? I bought a CD from this one just because I pre-ordered it, and it was directly from the artist. Yeah. I try and... I don't actually go to Best Buy and purchase it, but I feel like that's what they're trying to, like, no, 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 don't buy our music. It's not for sale. (laughs) I'll sell you some CDs at our yard sale. Yours probably suck though. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm down with your wardrobe, but I don't know about your taste in music. Uh, they don't have music on them. They're just blank CDs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't own any actual CDs anymore. I don't think. I bet that's not true. I mean, maybe they'll they'll turn up when we go through the stuff um, for the yard sale, but I don't listen to like actually CDs. Well, when your girlfriend sells your iPod too, let me know. Oh. <laughs> Uh, anyways, uh, you got any hands to talk about this week? I do. I uh, played uh, set from, over set from our listeners, maybe first. Oh no. Okay. Well, well if, Tom if anybody... listens. Tom told me that he thought one of the past episodes was one of the better ones, so he is one of our listeners now. Which episode? Probably I the can't one. Remember he... to which one I listened to? Yeah, exactly. Was... One that you listened to. <laughs> probably one um, that he wasn't on. Yeah. That's no. probably it was probably the one you weren't on, you were listening to see what we said about you. That and, would make sense. Then you thought it was really good. Yeah, and, yeah. and then came back and this one's not as good. That's weird. Sorry, so yeah, I played any... a session last weekend at my buddy's home game. Were uh, you one of the best? Obviously. Um, 
did Mary but bring not dessert? This night. I not. I think I actually played pretty poorly this night. Um, Why'd you play so bad? Yeah, I don't know. Is it because you weren't paying attention? No, what was on TV? That, I never pay attention. So. That's true. Um, <laughs> did you pay attention? Um, actually, I think I did pay more attention. Uh, oh my Bryce, don't <laughs> get it. <laughs> what did you pay attention to? Like people, dessert. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm phone. just wondering. Maybe you thinking you're paying attention is like not actually paying attention. I don't know. I it's did. Fo- well, here's here was the big difference. I went to my favorite restaurant in the world, La Tolteca, a Mexican restaurant. If you couldn't figure that out, um, For, based on the way you pronounced it, it would be hard to figure out actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I had and, a cas. I had a quesadilla <laughs> on a tortilla. Yep. With I a jalapeno. Um, and no, I, I stuffed myself authentic. with like fajitas and two bags of, I mean, two baskets of chips and everything. So maybe that was a bad idea. Fajitas? Yes. A chimichanga? <laughs> Hold the guacamole. <laughs> I like the mole sauce. It's made from real mole. Is that uh, why it's brownish? Yep. Okay. It's not the chocolate, definitely. It's the mole. So you filled up and you think that you played poorly because you were full? I don't think so, but that's just the one difference. Hold on. Are you saying you don't normally fill yourself with food right before you play? I don't believe that. That's not true. Yeah, that's not true. The, 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 <laughs> the month before is when I did show up and uh, I had two cheeseburgers, a chili dog, and a chocolate milkshake. Uh, maybe maybe we should get you on the uh, healthier eating <laughs> for yourself and not just for the ladies. <laughs> when you say healthy eating, is it like one cheeseburger and a chili dog? That's healthier, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Unless all, I'm wondering, I'll, is that what his goal is? I, Let's get it down to three entrees per meal. Did we talk about the supplements that I'm taking now? Are they uh, is the is chili dog <laughs> a supplement? Is, is it what? Cupcakes are not a supplement. <laughs> if you are supplementing my cake my with cupcakes. This is terrible. Right. Anyway, let's talk about the hands. Please. Let's talk about your supplements. What are you talking about? Oh, um I about these the, from a the, dealer. Yeah, yeah, those are the ones from the the dealer in Vegas who she told me to get supplements. And are so, these PEDs? I don't know. They're is not that explosive. Physical education. I think that's an IED. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's no, that's birth control, isn't it? That's IUD. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not a DUI yet. Yet. All right. That's, the what, idea that's what you need an IUD for. No, anyway. Um, that's the, not... So the hands. I've got two hands to talk about. Okay. Um, first one, guy in uh, early position. This is uh, nine-handed. Um, okay. Guy in early position probably has about 175, 200 stack. Mm-hmm. Uh, opens to 10. This is at 1-2, right? Yes. Okay. 1-2, no limit hold them. Uh, guy in early position opens to 10. Cutoff calls, and I'm on the button, and I call with king-queen offsuit. Okay. Standard? Sounds reasonable to me. Okay. Reasonable. Um, the flop comes ace, eight, six, rainbow. And the uh, preflop razor checks mm-hmm. and doesn't seem to like the flop is my read. Um, is your read based on him checking or going... Damn it! And then check. 
or something. Uh, did he side just, check? Like, I don't know. Oh, just a uh, it was just a vibe I got, and the way he looked at the flop and kind of checked somewhat uh, morosely. Uh, Whoa. And yeah, I know. Um, cut off checks as well. So now that it's checked around to me, um, I think this is a pretty good spot to bet to take it down. Uh, well, let's fl- let's stop right there. Um, why do you think that? Well, uh, I think that they fear the ace, the ace eight six board. They fear the ace, and if they had an ace, they would have bet most likely. Okay, so what what do you think he's checking with? Uh, pocket pairs. Um, broadways that don't include an ace. Uh, you know, king, so king, you don't think he would bet king c bet king queen there, or king jack, or queen jack, or um, anything that was air type. He, he might king king um, ten, but with two two opponents, um, especially cutoff is kind of can be spewy and aggro. Um, I'm not sure if he would or not. Okay. I think I think obviously some percent of the time he's going to bluff here, um, but then another maybe larger percentage of the time he's just going to check and give up. With his pocket pairs too. Yeah. So if he has kings, he's just going to check fold. Kings, he'll check call. But I'm talking about like king queen. You know, two <laughs> twos through you know nines or tens. Does he have all those in his opening range in early probably position has, for five lines? Down to you know, down to maybe fives or sixes. Maybe he just limps twos, threes, fours. Maybe he limps uh, fives as well. But medium pocket pairs that obviously aren't sets um, up to you know tens. He might fold. Um, What's the difference between tens and kings? One has a picture of a guy holding a sword. <laughs> the other has little dots on it. Um, I thought yeah, you do like poker. Possibly, I think it's gonna. It's people are gonna check call with kings far more than they are with tens because they're more attached to it. Um, okay. But either way, um, when I bet the flop here, it's not with a plan of just stabbing once and giving up. Um, if I get check called, uh, that's a pretty weak play. And I'd be looking to two barrel pretty often. Okay, what if he check calls again? Fire three. If he check calls a second time, that's going to be tough because I think it might be a, like a weak ace or something at that point. Um, when they check call twice on an ace side board, I, I think they'll probably give up with most of their uh, like like let's just say he has kings and he gets stubborn and calls the turn as well. I think if he's if he gets stubborn and calls the turn, there's a very high percentage uh, chance that he's going to get stubborn and possibly call the river. So I, I think that's probably not a good place to triple barrel. There I disagree. I think that a lot of people with kings, you know, they'll they'll call once and they'll call twice. But then if you fire the third barrel, you then... You think twice? I'm, I'm just saying, like, if, if he's calling twice with a hand like that, he's probably, you know, calling twice because he, he's hoping that you're bluffing. So if you give up on your bluff, um, then he just wins. But, you know, if you fire the third barrel, I think that he has a hard time calling. But yeah, but how much, I mean, uh, that's where 
you know, I'm not sure. It's like, yes, I fully agree that he's going to check call the flop with those type of hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just basically the where's the point of honesty? And, you know, if it's the turn, then obviously they fold there. But, you know, how much of his calling range on the turn do you assign to pocket pairs versus aces or other stronger hands? Okay, what, what do you think that he can check call three streets with? Um, top pair, well, you know, draws he can check call twice. You know, it's ace, eight, six, so like something like a nine, seven suited. That he doesn't see bet? That he opens under the or in early position for five big blinds? But that's still yeah, only he, two streets, though. Like, what... I mean, on the what's calling check calling the river as well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that I think ace, that ace is only I think ace what? Uh, maybe you know an ace low suited. Um, that he didn't feel comfortable betting his, himself for value, um, and just wanted to you know, I guess keep the pot small. I don't know. This is not my thing. <laughs> but isn't I that I mean. Hand equivalence wise, I mean, basically the same as Kings. Do you think he realizes that? I mean, like, no, I don't think he realizes that. I well, mean, I agree, but I don't think right. he realizes yeah. that. I think that you aren't going to see like the disgusted check the flop with like Ace X that often. So yeah, um, I mean, I didn't put him on an Ace. That's why. That's why I played this hand the way I did. Okay. But. Uh, so so, anyways, what ends up happening? You you bet fourteen, and then what happens? So do you disagree with betting there? Um, I I don't hate it. Like like you said, you know, he, he probably has like some marginal you know showdown that's not an ace. So if you plan on like you know being willing to fire multiple streets and you know see what you can pick up off of his you know what whatever live reads you have you know yeah. um I I wouldn't be afraid to fire three streets there after he. You know, check calls once and check calls again, especially if he's really reluctant to call. Um, but I think just just betting once would be a mistake. Yeah, I think okay. you have to be prepared to fire three streets because if he, I think I, if he has something like kings, it may take three barrels to get him off of it. Yeah, I was definitely prepared to fire two. I'm not so sure how I felt about firing three, but the other nice thing is that if he does have you know nines, tens, jacks, queen or no, not queens, but nines, tens, jacks. You know, if I do bank a king or a queen, then um, obviously I'm ahead and I can check and win the river like that or however I go about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, uh, so I bet 14 into he opened a 10. So pre is like 30 plus blinds. Mm -hmm. Um, So maybe a little under half pot. Um, and then uh, the original raiser or in the early position, then check raises me to thirty six. Okay. Um, what here? I'll th- give some brief. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, do you have a read of what his range would be there? Yeah, like, I'll give brief some brief history. Um, he you knows me. Do this before the hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it, it only really becomes relevant here. Okay, um, go ahead. So. He knows that, you know, and a lot of times whenever we've been heads up, I will see bet, um, or I if he checks to me, I'll bet. He, he knows that I'm pretty much betting a very large percentage of the time when checked to. Um, so he definitely doesn't think, oh, when 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 Tom bets, he has it. 
Um, so in the past, he has both A, uh, check raised instead of C betting against me with his good hands as well as bluffs. Um, have, have you gotten a showdown in these situations? Yes. Okay. Um, kind of a, a weird situation to be in post-flop a decent amount. Yeah, he just and and I'm you know I'm now reacting to his read on me you know when we play that I'm I'm c betting less or taking stabs less in certain situations. But my point is that my bet doesn't have to be an, an ace here um, in his mind. Um, he can he very likely thinks I'm just betting to take it down. Okay, um, well, it seems like then your betting to take it down is, is going to be worse then. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, if I'm not willing to do anything more and I'm just going to fold to a check raise, then betting there is a bad idea. So what um, are you going to do, like th- three-bet him on the flop? Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Is that what happens? Yes, that's, that's what happens. Oh, um, he check raises his 36, and I just think he's going to be... Um, if he has a strong ace, because of the spewy guy in the cutoff, I fully expect him to bet um, and just just see bet with his his strong hands. Um, now, if it was heads up, I could see his range for check checking there being stronger. But with the third guy in the pot, I think he's more than likely to just bet for value with his stronger hands. And then you throw on the top, throw on top of that the fact that I got a, a strong read from him that he didn't like the flop, um, and then when I bet, he just gave off the vibe that, you know, oh well, Tom doesn't have anything here, so I'm gonna make a play and raise me, and I don't know, I, it's it's hard to say how much weight to give those vibes and the, you know, those reads and stuff. Well, you use really quantitative descriptions. So, <laughs> um, um, you don't think they did like the, okay, I flop top set. I'll pretend to be disgusted and check. I think aces could be part of his range, but that's obviously a very tiny part. Um, I but, do agree though, that the fact that it's three handed and he has a spewy guy in between you two, would make him tend more towards betting. Yeah, I just don't think he wants to get have it see, have it be checked around and lose value. I was thinking even if he expects you to bet and him to raise, he's going to blow the cutoff out rather than getting him to yeah. call the flop. Yeah, and I think generally cutoff if if Jeff were to or if our early position. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> if early position, we actually talked about this hand later, so he's fine. Um Early position opens and he, one he of the has best a strong too? hand, and he just what is he one of the best in your home game too? Yeah. Oh, that changes everything. No, no. Not. Oh. Does he does he think he's one of the best in his home game? I, I don't know. Are you guys gonna have a arm wrestling to see who's the best? <laughs> like an over the top. Um. Anyway, I think he would expect cutoff to call um a lot on the flop. Um. Like like Bryce was saying, but a check raise he wouldn't. So I think he gets more value by betting. Um, okay. So how big do you make your your three bet? Um. Well, at this point, I didn't want him to. I I obviously, if I'm just targeting, you know, some medium pocket pairs or air, 
I don't need to make it very big. Mm-hmm. But I also thought that I might be able to get him to fold um, weak aces, which obviously isn't a, a brilliant idea to try to get some <laughs> to fold top pair in a live setting. Um, but I thought, I thought you said that he you know, thought that you thought he was bluffing you. What'd you say? I thought that you said that he you thought that this was a check raise as a bluff. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I think he's he has. A weak hand here, a large percentage of the time. So you think he's turning top pair into a bluff? No, that's I'm what you just saying. said. No, I'm saying that you can put somebody on something and be wrong, so it can't hurt to have a backup plan when you are wrong. Okay. All right. So how big do you make it? So anyway, I make it 91. And he had like 170 to start. Yeah, at least probably 175, maybe 200. So like, okay. I I just don't like. I'm confused this from the by beginning. the sizing, but so what sizing? Let's say you. Well, you, so you think that he's doing he's check raising ace eight here? No, no. I'm That's saying that fair. he mostly has air. So yeah. you know, a check raise to you know sixty five. Yep. Probably does the job. Yep. Most of the time. What what um, are the hands that makes you have to put in 91? The 91 was just in case he had a weak ace. Um, what if and, he had... Go ahead. What if he had three cards? And we're just going to make up situations. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I what, like... why, what, why do you think... How, do you really think a weak ace is part of his range ever? Not really. And so <laughs> that's why... <Okay. laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, I... I I see what you guys are saying. You guys can keep berating me. It's two okay. of a three. But you up. keep mentioning I wanted to make sure you didn't have a weak ace, and then to follow that with yeah, but he doesn't have one. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, so I mean, in all likelihood, he doesn't have one. We can't say a hundred percent. Well, don't stop there. Tom said that we could keep berating him. <laughs> so you're saying he might have a weak ace? Why didn't you just shove? What if he had like two pair and he might fold it? No, no, I think if he has, well, obviously if he has two pair, then he's never folding. Not if you have, what if you go all in, he might think, oh, he must have a set. Yeah, he's definitely not folding. <laughs> um, but I thought if I made it big enough, he would fold on the flop, and I wouldn't have to, uh, you know, bet any more on the turn. You, I think I think maybe he, we shouldn't eat fajitas before we play. <laughs> <laughs> I think if he calls a, a flop three a flop three bet, after check raising, yeah, it's probably not a good place to double barrel. I was gonna say we're done anyway. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know the whole um, yeah. I mean, what what could come on the turn that he'd be like, all right, now I'm not good. I just think if he's check raising here, it's not with a marginal hand. Yeah, it's, I think it's air or a, a big hand. Yeah. So, so I, I think I, air or a big so... hand would react the same to sixty five as it would to ninety one. Yeah. If you think it's air, do you would you consider floating? Um, I did consider floating, um, but I thought it would be better because I think some of his quote unquote air is pocket pairs that beat me. So I thought it would be better what? to free. <laughs> so you're thinking he's turning a pocket pair into a bluff? Yes. Tom, I'll just say you're crazy. <laughs> I don't know I like this you, but you're guy. Crazy. I almost called him by the name you called him earlier. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I I would assume that if he's 
going, ah, oh, Tom doesn't have anything. It's not with a hand that he would have called with. Yeah, like if he has like tens or something and he checks here, he's check, he's going to check call. He's not going to check raise. I mean, okay. maybe, maybe if he was going to fold like fives, maybe he turns fives into a bluff. <laughs> but even but maybe then, he has ace x. Well, I agree, some of the time. I agree that I made the three bet too big, but I don't agree that he wouldn't turn a pair into a bluff here. Okay. Is that based on him in particular? Like, have you seen I, him do it before? Well, he does He does some random bluffs, um, and I just don't think he would check call here with those hands, um, like the smaller ones. He would with the bigger ones, obviously. What smaller ones are there? I thought you said that he has like pocket fives and pocket sevens, and that's like what is what is the eight ace eight six? So sevens, um, maybe fives, but I don't know. I think he's <laughs> the two that I just named. Yes, I don't yes. know. I wasn't really listening. Uh, All right. So what ended up? Did happening? you have to get for this end. podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, I three bet and he folds, and then later tells me he had pocket nines. Wow, oh, how gosh. how much of the fact that he had pocket nines is influencing your your absolute sureness that he would turn a pocket pair <laughs> into a bluff? Um, a fair amount. Yeah. So, did you have that read at the table, or you've made I that had up a read afterwards? That he, I think he would have checked. He would have turned weak hands into bluffs. Yes. It's did called you? being reverse or uh, results oriented after the fact. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Retroactively results oriented. There we go. Awesome. Maybe, maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll ask our guest what he thinks. So you, I'm, I'm, I take it that you would have just folded to the flop check raise. Um, I I might not have bet in the first place. Okay. Or if he check raises, I might just be willing to give it to him. So when when two people check in front of you and show weakness on an ace eight six board. One of them opened in early position for five big blinds. I think that if he's going to check, he's going to check call, or we have him beat. Okay, you know, yeah, he I just has error. I would. I don't up. expect the an early position raiser on an e six board to check fold very often. So, but that still can be a profitable situation if if we're in the, if we want yeah. to barrel. So I, I, that's why I think I prefer betting. It depends on how they're going to react. I would think that people are going to go, oh, if especially if he thinks, oh, you don't have anything. It's going to get really expensive really fast. Yeah. Like, I, if we had overcards here, then I think... I mean, like, if it comes out, we have king-queen and it's jack-high, then, I don't know, I mean, we have we have clean outs to top pair. Yeah, yeah that's true. Okay. Oh, boy. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll ask our guest, or maybe we this hand to death <laughs> with two dead horses. <laughs> Oh boy! Two solid heavy horses. <laughs> don't please don't talk about my girlfriend like that. That's I just rude. I'm talking about a horse. What are you talking about? Okay, you talking about a horse now. Horses. I'm just trying no. to please our listeners by talking about horses. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yep. I see what you did there. Okay. Oh, it's so much happier now. <laughs> <laughs> you're not talking about my girlfriend. You're talking about a horse. Good. <laughs> All right. Well. Um, do you want to yeah. end this segment? Let's end this segment and throw it to TJ. TJ. <laughs> TJ. Let's hug the rail. Let's hug the rail.
And we're back with Hugging the Rail with TJ. How are you doing, TJ? Good. How are you guys? Great. You're doing excellent. Great. Fantastic. Good. What do we got on the plate this week? I played a session at Caesar's Palace this week. Um, the reason I chose Caesar's Palace is because after I busted out of the tag team event that uh, Tom and his teammate lasted longer than myself and Wilton, I sat down for yeah, one round. Minutes, that's all we needed. Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> and I sat down for one round, and there was literally three people at the table that didn't know the rules, and I was like, man, I need to come back to this room and play. Was one of them the the you? Because I heard that tag team event was really short. Yeah, I didn't do well. I heard there were people that signed up late and <laughs> won the last longer against you. Is that true? <laughs> if they, yeah, it is actually. Man. All right. Will, Will played bad, all right? What do you want from me? Yeah. <laughs> How many hands did Will play? What? How, How many, many hands, hands did Will play? 15 minutes of hands. That's not a lot of hands. <laughs> it's really his fault for not quintupling up, though. How many hands did you play, TJ? About 20 minutes of hands. <laughs> so you're saying that Wilt just didn't carry his half of the tag team, right? Because I mean, I that's, ex- five, he, that's five minutes less. Why, why didn't he cover? I was expecting more. Uh, I would have expected at least 25 minutes from him. <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> Lasted longer than the San Diego fireworks. Ooh. <laughs> I like that you think Sick the San Diego fireworks are listening and are now offended. <laughs> Ooh, in your face, Sick. San Diego. Really quick burn. <laughs> really quick burn. So, um, speaking of really quick burns, how is the coffee? Nice segue. <laughs> I don't know. How was the green tea? It was okay. Yes. It was. It was. It wasn't bitter. That's all I got. I had bitter green tea the other day. So if it's not bitter, I'm happy. Did it? Was it because it heard how you did in the tag team event? <laughs> it was angry. <laughs> no. Is your girlfriend bitter because your dinner's getting cold? Wow! Can you, Can you not say that so loud? <laughs> Can she hear you? No, but sticking it right to him. Um, She's eating without me. <laughs> so when Don't, you played just, there, was it as good as when you played there this week? Was it as good as the uh, the last time that you played there? The results or the players? The players? No, the players were. It was a pretty good game. Um, I was playing. They have a one three there. It's um, it's a five hundred max buy in, <clears throat> which is which is pretty decent. Um, for for a Vegas buy in, um, you know what hundred. 60 BBs, um, 166 BBs. Um, yep, yeah, 0.6. Um, so that's nice. Uh, there was about, I would say there's six, six or seven, one, three tables going. <clears throat> uh, they also run a two, five, and there were two, two, five games going. They have a, I guess they keep a 510 interest up, but they said that game rarely runs. Um, it's actually a really big room. I think there's about 25, uh, cash game tables and i think there's another 25 they have a dedicated um a room dedicated just for tournament play and i think Mm -hmm. there's about another 25 in there and they also have a overflow room which is maybe another 15 tables um so it's pretty large room they run some pretty big tournament series in there so i think uh they usually fill up those tables when they have big tournaments going uh when 
uh, Tom and I played, they had they were actually so full that they were running tables outside in the sports book. They had a couple tables open there, so they do fill up. Um, so they were going to say in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> no. But yeah, they get some pretty decent traffic in there, so it seems like a pretty good room to play. It's only it's actually the first time I've ever played it other than that tournament and the one round after. But it's a good room. Nice. Um what would you say is the least favorable part about it? Um it's it's a hair's room, so um like I've talked about before, the hair's rooms have really big rakes. They drop five plus one. So I'm never really a fan of that big of a rake. Uh, especially when there's so many other good options around town. Mm-hmm. But um, but I I mean it's a really comfortable room. It's really nice. Everything's uh, relatively new. They're really comfortable chairs. Uh, I like the comfy chairs for sure. Speaking of Harris rooms, uh, I just got the inside scoop that uh, Harris that the actual Harris poker room might be closing in a few months. Really? Yeah. I have not heard that. But that's is, interesting. Is that related that to the inside coffee? Scoop? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> the coffee can carry the poker room? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was because of the coffee. Or because uh, Tom was harassing their their dealers and they all want to quit. Is that the inside scoop? The dealer? Oh, he doesn't want to I, name sources, but he only I knows one person he who does. works there. Good point. We've got to the good, bottom of this. Good guess, guys. could it have been something he read on twitter or the person that he talked to every day for hours probably twitter is that because their rake's too high i don't know because it's not pulling enough money could it be because no one knows it's there yes (laughs) it's funny that they have the highest rake in town and they're not pulling in enough money which means they just could obviously just raise it, right? <laughs> That's how economics works. <laughs> Pretty sure. So anyway, what's your favorite part about Caesars? Uh, like I said, just how, how new everything is, how comfortable it is. It's a really clean room. Um, just just real. It's nice. It feels nice to sit in there. What did you think of the player pool compared to other rooms? Um. I I didn't notice any. I mean, there were there were a couple people. I mean, there's always the regulars, but I didn't notice any um, good players at my table. Um, it was actually don't be so hard on yourself. It actually played a little. <laughs> it actually played a little nittier than uh, some of the the uh, one two one three games I've played around town, um, which which is kind of surprising. You know, usually they're for the most part very very uh, loose passive, but it was. Maybe it was just a table draw thing, but it was a really nitty game that I was playing in. Did you play any noteworthy hands? Um, yeah, I I did have a a pretty pretty interesting hand that, considering I was at a pretty uh, nitty table, I, I had a little tried to put on a little bluff that I thought might work. Um, does it does it involve set over set? I just want to ask that up front. I did get set over setted, but no, we're not going to talk about that hand. Okay. Did you have kings and he had aces? I thought he had <laughs> kings. <laughs> did you guys each have ace, king, and chop? <laughs> no. Okay, go ahead then. I just okay. wanted to make sure well, to set expectations up front. All right. So um, under the gun is uh, 
fairly fairly young guy. Um, he bought in for a full stack, which is pretty rare. Um, he's been playing for maybe an hour. Um, maybe played three or four hands. The one hand he showed down um, was top two that he uh, he had called a preflop raise with with ace queen on the button, and uh, he called down to the river and then raised with his top two pair when uh, all the draws bricked out. Um, that was the only hand I'd seen him go to showdown. He'd only played about probably only played about four hands post-flop for the most part. Um, he'd come in for a raise. He was only raising 3x, which is really small for a live game. So I don't know if that meant he was an online player or if that's just he just likes to play small small poker, small ball poker, but um, that's a really small raise for live. So um, he opened a six under the gun, and I call one caller, and I call on the button with 6-4 um, suited. We see the flop three ways, and it comes ace, five, nine, rainbow with one spade. Um, and it checks around. Everyone still there? Yep. Okay, so checks around, ace, five, nine, rainbow. Um, turn comes a seven of spades, bringing backdoor spades and giving me uh, open ender. So he bets nine into after the rake. It was uh, 18. He bets nine into like 12, I think, or 13. It was a little under 15. Um, and middle position folds. I thought about calling, um, but I decided to make it 30. Uh, open ender, uh, backdoor spades, and he thought for a while and called. Um, I I didn't think he had like a big ace. I thought he would bet that on the flop. What do you guys think? Yeah, so, probably. Yeah, I mean, so I I was thinking maybe he had like um like. Some a lot of big pocket pairs will like check when they see their overcard, and then when it checks around, they'll they'll kind of do the the bet to see where they're at thing. Um, and I also thought that uh, I, I didn't want to call, my, I didn't want to call and then represent spades. I just felt like if I called his bet and then a spade came on the river, if uh, if he checked to me that the pot would still be small enough where he could call with a lot of his hands. I thought if I raised and I made my straight or represent spades that I could make the bet big enough where he would have to fold a lot of his hands just to the – because a lot of people aren't playing necessarily pot size um, in relation to pot size. They're more of absolute size, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, so, so I made third. He thought for a while, and he called. And the river brought the two of spades – so at this point, the pot is about $70, and he checks pretty quick when the spade rolls off. And I think about it, and I make it um, I make it 60 into 70. And he thought for a long time, and then he called. So what do you guys think about that hand? Seems reasonable. I mean, it's not aces versus kings, but um, I think that you, you played pretty well. Um, if he had a hand like kings or queens, I mean, a guy, the way that you kind of described him, he seems kind of nitty overall. Yeah. 
So I could see him maybe like checking like an ace jack hand on the flop. Although, you know, we said we expect him to like C bet like ace king and ace queen and ace jack if he has it. But yeah, and I forgot to mention the 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 hands he had open. He's pretty for the most part. He hadn't opened that much, but he was pretty much C bet 100% over a three or four hand sample size. Mm. So, so I mean kings or queens uh, or even like jacks uh, seems totally reasonable, but you know <laughs> you can try your best to get him to fold. But if he doesn't want to, he might not do it. So yeah. even when he bet calls the turn, you think he still has jacks in his range? That's um, not different than kings, is it? Uh, people uh, not to. I mean, in terms of like, yeah, it's not that big of a difference. But I'm thinking psychologically. Oh. I have jacks, and he just raised me, and there's an ace on the board. I must be beat. Tends to be more how a nit would think, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them think um, it's just they have a quote-unquote $25 hand or $30 hand. So they'll, they'll, you know, they'll do what they can to get to showdown for that amount of money. And then if you better get on the river, they're like, oh, you really got it now. And then they'll muck. Um, so a lot of people just kind of, from, from what I've seen is they're willing to go so far with a certain hand. And then when it checks around on the flop, it gives them more reason just to, to call one raise, um, and see what happens, you know, and the, and it did, and there was, it did bring backdoor spades. So it does give, I mean, any reason live small stakes, live players can find to call the, they like to talk themselves into calling. That is true. And there were, there were a couple straight draws out there. Agreed. So did he have kings? No. He actually, it's funny. He he called, and as soon as he called, I I went to muck, and I said, "You're good." Like you know, I, I'm I'm not really into the whole wait and show. And he goes, "Well, show me." And I was like, "I said you're good." But I I wanted to see what he had too, so he made me show my six four, and he had ace five for a flop two pair. Weird. We were very weird. I was pretty. I was really surprised to see that hand. So you think it was like slow playing the flop? I don't know, slow playing the flop. But then when I raised the like, like when I raised the turn, I guess I don't know. Maybe I don't know what he thought I had. Then he got thought scared I that you had a seven. Yeah. Then beat him. Yeah. yeah. And then on the but river the spades came in too. And he was still, still calling. Just he had two pair. I do. Did think you tell that- him? A lot of times when people check quickly, it's with the intention of check calling. Because yeah. If they check quickly, it kind of shows weakness. Yeah. They're just going to check quickly and call uh, most of the time, whereas if they were to like think about it and then check, I think that's more a sign of please don't bet. Yeah, so you think it's kind of a, one of those um, pace uh, like pace of play tells? Yeah, for sure. I, I just think because when you check quickly, you look weak. So I think people are really cognizant of that, so that when they do check quickly, I expect them to fall more often. That makes sense. Okay. Um, So uh, I was going to ask if you asked him if he he knew that he nit-rolled you. (laughs) Um, I I think he he knew that... um, I think he kind of had been eyeballing me. I was really the only one... Other than him at the table, I was coming in for a raise. I'd already three bet him uh, once, and I I just think he was just like, 
I'm young and you're young, so I'm not going to like you. And I, <laughs> I owned you. And I was like, all right, cool, bro. Whatever, <laughs> makes, you, whatever makes you feel better. So, so yeah, I think the fact that he wanted to see your hand and felt like he was entitled to it, in that case, like strikes me as much more of an online player sort of thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a pretty big douche move, if I could say. Did you tell uh, him that? No, I'd, I'd, I don't. I'm not in the business of trying to work anyone up at the table. What? Uh, I don't like it. I don't even like to talk to begin with, let alone getting a getting a rivalry with someone else. I think a rivalry would be good for this segment. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to just go into rooms, starting rivalries? But then I the problem. You... But then I'm gonna have to keep going back to that room. And no, 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 no. No, you, you tell them where you're gonna show them up. <laughs> That's right. I'll see you on Thursday at. The Marriott. <laughs> Marriott. <laughs> Bill's Gambling he's, Hall. You, me, Friday. He's like, can we play at the Bellagio? Be like, nope, we already did that one. <laughs> it's like, I wasn't I have, there, though. I have a podcast to record, and I'm talking about you. Do you want to yeah, this Tahoe, or do you want to drive yourself? <laughs> <laughs> you guys could carpool on the way there. <laughs> that wouldn't make for much of a rivalry. You're like we're gonna be angry when we get there. Yeah, but this is fun right now. You know, you could be angry. Have you ever ridden in a carpool with people you don't like? You can be angry in the car. Yeah, I said I have a girlfriend. Just be, and, just be friends with them, <laughs> and then right when you're about to sit down, just smack them. <laughs> and get... then run over to the other side of the table and sit down and be like, "Whoa, security, come over if this guy tries to mess with me." <laughs> On the surface, I like this idea because it's going to be good for the content of the show. On the other hand, the ride home is going to be really uncomfortable. <laughs> well, that's why, that's why you just have to bust him. You have to bust him and say, like, sorry, dude, I'm still playing. Um, but then he's going to know where I'm parked and the slash tires start coming into play and it's, it's going to be a whole... That's why you make him sign the rental car agreement. Uh when did we get a rental car? <laughs> I missed that part too. I just, I just you said something was... about a Tahoe. <laughs> wow. Uh, fine. Okay. Anyways, so um, Caesars overall, uh, newish, nice. Newish, nice room. Um, good staff, nice floor, uh, high rake. Punk kid, young kid. A lot of good tournament. <laughs> uh, would you go back and play there again? I would go back um, for their if if I got the itch to throw some money away in a tournament. They usually have pretty good tournament series. I would go back for one of their tournament series. But if you had, you had like tw- if you had twenty minutes to kill, something. <laughs> yeah, damn. <laughs> I need to cash in a tournament before Tom. Remind Which, me not um, when you get that itch to throw money away. <laughs> <laughs> would you uh, order the coffee if you went back? For you, I would. Well, I think that's that's better than most of the rooms we've been reviewing. So, right. would, would you order the coffee for him the first time when you go to the next room, so we don't next have to room, go back? I will order coffee next time. Will you drink it? No. <laughs> I'm order it and then throw it at the guy that I want to have a, a rivalry with and be like, "Ooh, burned." Yes, you passed the test. <laughs> there Perfect. you go, TJ. Yes, We're finally a Badoogie All Star. There are no more hugs on this rail. <laughs> just, just burns. <laughs> Burning it out. Burning. All right. Well, with that, um, thanks a lot, TJ. All right. Thanks, guys.
All right, everybody, we're back with Bart Hansen. Welcome, Bart. How's it going, guys? Yeah, pretty good. How's your World Series going so far? Well, things are winding down. Um, I uh, I played in 14 events, and <clears throat> I made one final table, and I min-cashed in one. So I'm up a little bit in tournaments, which to me, I'm kind of, I mean, I've made some pretty egregious mistakes um, in some tournaments, which I hope to use that experience into the main because I made some big mistakes and no limit. Um, but whenever I'm even up in tournaments, it's great because usually it's a wash every summer for me. Usually I make a bunch of money in cash, bank out in tournaments, and then it's even. But going into the main, I'm, I'm actually healthily up for the summer, so I'm pretty happy about that. Nice. Always looking forward to the main. Um, I feel like nowadays, where um, all the, uh, the bin raising is like really rampant, where people you know bring it in for you know two times the big line. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't make the adjustment like in the main event when like especially when there's no ants that like they just these guys like especially the younger guys who are like online tournament grinders, they really have no idea how to play, play post swap at all, and uh, you know if they min raise even with anties out there like in the big line you get like five or six to one and like they almost never bet the turn unless they're bluffing because of like rampant pot control. So you can literally like call with any piece of the flop or you can call with the intention of floating or it's just like, cause they don't, they have no idea how to play post flop. Now for cash game players, it's a huge edge because, you know, we get into deep stack situations pretty much every time we play poker, but these guys are used to playing like, you know, Pokestar Sunday Million Turbos and um, they, they're just lost. I almost feel like, I mean, it's not so, it's not as blatant as usually like when you want to see a guy, when you look at a table, you, to be honest, usually the older the table, the better it is for you and no limit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't mind <clears throat> seeing guys in the main event that are like young footy guys at all specifically in events where they're deep. Like in thousands and fifteen hundreds, it's annoying because you're so short anyway. So if they're not up with a short stack, then, um, then there's nothing you can do about it. But like in these bigger events, it's great. So for those of our listeners that don't understand, know the structures of the different events, the main event is a much deeper structure. Is that why there's a lot more post-flop play? Yeah, it's a deeper structure and also has longer levels. I'm pretty sure that the levels are uh, two hours or they're either an hour and a half. And uh, you start with like 300 big lines. They, they never really skip levels. I mean, to give you like the average stat, <clears throat> actually, I will give credit to World Series because even in the small mines, like it's really accelerated in the beginning. But when you get to the, get towards the middle and the end, it, it, it seems like it kind of slows down, even though the time doesn't. But in the thousands, like the average stack is like, maybe like 26 big blinds or, you know, the 1500s. I'll give an extreme example, like in the two o'clock deep stack that they run, which is like a 235 buy-in, which they've been getting like 1500 people for. It's been insane. Mm. Um, I think that the average stack is like, you know, 10 big blinds, if not less. Now in the main event, the average stack is like 65 or 70 big blinds. And, you know, some cash team players would say, oh, that's not even that deep. On the surface, it's not, but because the ray sizes are so much smaller, the effective stacks are so much deeper post. Everybody bets smaller, too. So in reality, like, playing 65 to 70 big ones deep determines almost like playing, like, 150 big ones in a cash game. 
mm-hmm. because the sizing is so small. So that's kind of the difference. Um, is it true that you're also doing some commentary on the live feed? Yeah, I uh, a bunch of stuff, but that's pretty much over. The last day was today. They're doing Juice to 7, No Limit, and uh, that's it. The ESPN takes over, wrap it up. Nice. But I think uh, my buddy Gabe Tuckman did the lead, and I think it was a pretty good success. I mean, compared to last year, remember, this is just a, 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 a Caesars thing. Like, people are like, oh, last year, well, you know, last year's was, like, so much better, but the thing was, last year's was ESPN 3. Mm-hmm. Like, they have literally 10 times the resources of what they have now. Last year, they actually did stream tables without commentary, and this year, it's like 10 times better. So that's the step. It, this is all Caesars thing, and, you know, hopefully they'll continue on. Um, but people understand, like, and you got to give Dave credit, like, the setup that he has, and when I've been in there doing color with him, like, it, it's literally like one-tenth of what we had when we did it for ESPN last year. Like, there's no card graphics. No, nobody's feeding play-by-play action. Like when you want, when people that watch like the Wonder uh, live last week, the commentators Juan, Olivier, and Norman Chad, they they had everything provided to them, literally mm-hmm. sizing up real-time stack that everything. Dave has nothing, so it's totally on the fly. And uh, people don't understand how hard that is to do. We have a lot of experience because we're totally on the fly with live at the pipe, but. Um, I don't know if you could just throw somebody in there, even who's a poker commentator, and do stuff where they basically have absolutely no information. They <laughs> yeah. just eyeing facts and mm-hmm. eyeing action, you know? Yeah, I, I noticed every once in a while I would watch, and they'd have somebody in there with Dave that was less experienced, and they were so caught up in just trying to read the board that by the time they figured out you know, what the turn was, they were onto the river and there was no commentary. That When you had the experienced people in there, it definitely seemed a lot more like... They understood what was happening and could kind of multitask and do two things at once. Well, the other the other real, real trick to it is, like, as a lead, like Dave does well, and I did it once during the plot woman hold of when Dave was gone, when Andy Frankenberger and Ivy were heads up. As a lead commentator, when you're dealing with, um, when you're dealing with not much information, you actually have to lead the color guys through it because they're so, like, they're so entranced on, like, oh, what's the stack size, but they can't eye it themselves. So you have to actually know and be like, hey, what would you do in this situation with one with, with 30 big ones? That's what he has left. Especially if you've got a guy in there that's never done it before. They're just never going to know. And when they're playing, they always know. And in other types of, like, live uh, broadcasts that are, you know, a little bit more, like, high budget, they also know because it's all in front of them, like all the real-time chip stack stuff are in front of them. This is all, like, basically winging it. And, you know, as I'm sure the years go on, it will continue to, you know, improve and increase and stuff. But, uh, you know, i got to hand it to Dave and them, because it it's pretty bare bones, and I think it went pretty well this year. What was the uh, – what made the difference? Just ESPN decided to not do it this year? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I would just surmise that they – I would imagine that probably their TV ratings were probably all a little bit off, and they probably thought that um, that it's something to do, obviously, with the live stream. I mean, people that were watching the <clears throat> you know people that were watching the main event live might not watch the TV show. Although I really actually think it's like two totally separate audiences because I mean the live poker is like one audience and 
TV like packaged like you know ESPN World Series might be another, mm-hmm. but obviously they make their money from the TV. Yeah. So, you know, if they think that the the, the internet live stream is going to hurt the TV, then you know, I think that that's the decision that they made. But that's just my guess. I don't. But I mean, that would be a logical thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's interesting considering. I mean, most most of the events they're doing live streams for are never going to make it on TV. I think the only two they're doing on TV this year are the one drop and the main event, as far as I know. So everything else is just gravy for them. It's sure there's extra costs, but I think it gets people, at least the poker community, much more excited about watching the main event on ESPN. You have to understand that last year, all the events that were streamed on ESPN3 were all on TV as well. That's why they were streamed. Like, they didn't set up to just stream. The reason why they streamed is because they were streaming through the TV cameras. So, at, you know, what, what they basically did is they were like, all right, we're going to film this and this event, this event, this event on TV. And then someone came along and said, oh, we can also do this as a live stream as well. But they didn't solely set up to ever just do a live stream. Like, all the stuff that was captured was on TV. Right. I just mean compared to, like, the edited down, like, uh, main event coverage where it's, like, much more episodic, where the stuff they're doing for this is just kind of raw poker. Um yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, like it's it's a totally different um, it's a totally different um, you know, it's a totally different audience. I mean, I, you know, Dave and I kind of have a we have like this we, we kind of have an idea where we we really think that there's a little bit of a vacuum in the in a sense of in poker where everyone's always been trying to bring people in to you know watch TV that's not into poker. So they're constantly trying to go for an audience that's not into poker. And we actually feel that there's enough of an audience and from the numbers that you see through webcasts and other live events like the EPT and last year at the World Series, there's actually enough of an audience where you can actually have a poker show for poker players. Now, it's not going to be on ESPN. You know, it's not going to be on primetime on NBC. But you see how many cable stations there are. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it could be on a station like Velocity or Fuel or NBC Sports or Poker After Dark is mm-hmm. extremely, <clears throat> an extremely segmented poker show that kind of treats poker like it's, you know, the people who are watching it are actually poker fans, which I don't think that there's really a show out there like that. Um, I mean, Poker After Dark shows every hand and stuff, but it's still, you know, there isn't really much commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the big game is cool too, but that's a little bit like I, I just feel like sometimes like people can't really relate to super nosebleed stakes. It's a little <laughs> bit insane when yeah. you're playing like three hundred, six hundred. Especially now when we know that like most people don't even have all any of their action or all of their action or just small pieces of their action, you know. Right. I mean I think that the high stakes poker in the first couple of seasons, some of it got I mean I love the poker, but some of it got to be ridiculous when they were playing 300, 600, 1,200, all these props going on. And, like, you know that, like, half the table's been put in by a full tilt. And, you know, maybe they're, they're, all the money's going back. You know, it's, it was just kind of a – it's a little bit it's a little bit unrelatable, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think when you watch, like, other sports on TV, when you watch a football game, they're not constantly explaining, here's what the quarterback does. And I feel like ESPN is still trying to – make it poker for everybody like you were saying as opposed to i mean the live table coverage they did of the one drop definitely was a lot more strategy based it's talking about you know he floats here to, to represent these this range of hands and i felt like it wasn't talking down to the audience quite as much which probably isn't great for ratings overall for espn but for building people that are interested in poker 
it seems really great. Well, you can understand it from ESPN's standpoint, though. Like, ESPN does not have a very segmented audience. Like, if someone were to develop a very segmented poker show for curious poker players, like, it wouldn't be on ESPN. ESPN's audience is way too broad, and I can understand because, I mean, they're a big network. So, you know, they're not going to put on, like, what is, like, the equivalent to, like, I make a couple of equivalents, like a hunting show. You know what I mean? Like, on prime time on ESPN, you're not going to get a half-an-hour hunting show. Like you might on like the outdoors channel, you know what I mean? Because I mean the audience is too big, um, so that's why they I think that they do the programming that they do. They they obviously want to attract a broader audience, um, you know, with their television shows. Right, that makes sense. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. You mentioned a little bit that uh, you usually play a decent amount of cash during the summers. Has that been true uh, this summer? Even though you you made money in tournaments, also. Yeah, I've played a lot of cash. I actually haven't played really any no-limit cash at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly 75, 150, 08, and, uh, and mixed games. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, um, yeah, it's been mostly, mostly no-limit. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, mostly no excuse me, mostly 75, for, for the most part. And um, that, do you play that game at, at home in L.A. as well? Does that run? No, the 75 Omaha doesn't really go. It only goes to the World Series. Like, I like to play high-low games, and a lot of the big high-low games never go anywhere except for the World Series. Although I hear, and maybe people can email me <clears throat> at deuceplays at deucecrack.com if they're listening to this, um, I hear that on the East Coast, they have a 150-300 OE game in Atlantic City and in parks in Philadelphia, so I might take a trip out there. I've only been to Atlantic City once, but kind of weird traveling to play poker from LA but might check it out that's pretty cool so um I was going to ask how how the usual cash games like the no limit games compare but if you haven't been playing any um I, I feel like it's always a little bit different at the Rio compared to you know other places I've played or non world series time even well I've heard from a lot of people that you can really find some good, like, uncapped 510 games at some of the, not some of the other casinos besides mm-hmm. the Rio. I haven't heard from anyone that the 510 game that the Rio's are is good. A lot of people don't like to play cash here, and I understand it, um, because the dealers are just not, they're not good. So if you're paying time, because, I mean, they're all new, I mean, they have to staff them, and mistakes, you're playing for a lot of money in cash. I mean, it's one thing in tournament, you're playing for a lot of money in cash. Like, you can't deal with those mistakes. We don't have a choice here. Um... We don't have a choice here at, uh, you know, to play the high-low games. But uh, I just never understand. And, and by the way, the Rio changed their 2-5 to 1,000 caps. So that means that the 5-10 games are probably tougher as well. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand. And I've got a couple students that, you know, asking about the plan for the summer. I don't understand people that come to, to the World Series to play no-limit cash. It, it, it seems so opposite to the way that you should look at the game in a sense that if you want to play no limit cash wherever you are, the best time of year to play at your home is over the summer when the good players go to the World Series. So if I had no interest in playing tournaments or I had no interest in coming out here, I would just stay in LA and play no limit cash wherever you're from. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Now people are like, oh, I want to be out here for the experience and play a couple tournaments. Obviously that's fine. But if you're really strictly going to the best no limit cash games, it baffles me why anyone would come here during the World Series and play with some of the toughest players in the world. 
obviously you're going to get your, I mean, this is what I'm talking about five times loss. Because I really feel like a lot of tournament dunks are like lower than that. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel a bump up in softness in five time games from a thousand or fifteen hundred dollar tournament, but um, I just yeah, I just it doesn't make it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Would that apply to playing in other casinos during World Series time? Do you think? I no, I mean I've I've heard the other game that stuff you can find in games. I'm just it, the games here can't be as good as wherever you're coming from. If you have There's poker, no if you have poker wherever, yeah, you're right, from. right. Exactly. Like it's you know when you when you basically take out the good players from the player pool, inherently the games are going to get softer wherever you are. Now they kind of had a coup here at the Rio as well. I mean the high low games only only goes here, but they also have big TLO games. But those games all left a couple weeks ago. Although I see a couple of them are back because um, I witnessed something crazy. I'm sure if people have read about in the forums, like I was literally at the next table where some guy was like railing his friend at the 2500 OE table, which is a pavilion main stage. So I think he was playing 10, 25, 50 PLO and he had 14 grand on the table. And uh, so he was going back and forth and somebody on the rail noticed he was going back and forth, basically went over to the table, told the only guy that knew whose stack it was, it was kind of a weird scenario where they were shorthanded. And two new guys had come in, so they were playing four or five handed, so there was only one guy that actually knew whose chips it was. Mm-hmm. So the foreign guy from the rail comes over and says, Oh, I'm I'm this guy's friend, I'm gonna rack him up. He racks him up quickly and books and steals uh fourteen grand wow. off of it. And uh, you know, there was a little bit of a coup at the Rio and people are like, Oh, that's horrible, the Rio has to make good in that but in reality I've heard of that happening before. And casinos can't make good on it. They actually can't. And, pe- and people don't think about why. Like, if a casino made good on chips that were stolen off the table, then me and you could collude, and I could steal your chips from the table, right, and get paid back. Yeah. When I mean, the moral of the story right. is <clears throat> anything that's on the table is your responsibility. You should certainly pick up your bills and certainly pick up your big chips. Now, I don't pick up, like, my quarter chips, when I'm playing 75-150, because, I mean, it would really take someone to come and rack them up, and usually people are going to know who I am at the table, but it's a, it's a, it's a free-for-all it's, it's free if somebody were to do that. I remember at the bike, somebody racked up 500 a couple of years ago and stole it, but it's a, it's a common, you know, it's a, I mean, it's definitely the casino is not going to take good on it, so mm-hmm. you have to think about that. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think I saw Joe Tall said he picks up his big chips, just says, I'm taking this much off the table, I'll put it back when I come back, whenever he goes to the bathroom or anywhere. Well, so, and that made a lot of sense to yeah. me. Why would you? Joe Tall plays in limit games, so it doesn't really matter anyway. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, that's common. Well, yeah, but I'm thinking even if, you're, even if you're playing, you know, a deep stack game, to say, I'm taking my big, check, my big chips off and take them with you, I don't think anyone would think you're rat-holing if you came back in 10 minutes. Oh, no, no. I mean, especially nowadays, you should but I, close, I think you know? a lot of people are thinking, oh, if you take it off the table, people are going to think I'm rat-holing, I have to leave it, and are actually afraid to you know, put chips mm-hmm. in their pocket and walk away. But uh, I, now, You know what, though? To be honest with you, I mean, I play high-stakes cash games. Nobody, nobody says anything. Like, yeah. If, I, if I'm playing a no-limit game and I've got thousand chips and bills and I walk away to the bathroom and take them off the table, no one's going to say anything. Yeah. Especially now. I mean, they're going to say something if I don't put them back on. Right. But no one's going to be like, what are you doing? Because it's commonplace now, because people know that it's their responsibility. Yeah, especially with bills. 
yeah, I mean, you'd probably be pretty stupid not to do that nowadays, to take your big, to take your money off the table. I mean, not like your loose chips, but big chips and bills. Yep. Anything that anybody could grab, take it off. Definitely. Um, so yeah. that's pretty sweet. Um, tell us a little bit uh, for our listeners that don't know about your podcast and uh, and your site. Well, I've got two things going on. I've got Juice Place Premium, of course, which is on DC. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, the All Stars is on DC too, right? I assume you can get it through the website or iTunes. Is that right? We're iTunes. Yeah, we are. Yeah. We are of DC, but not officially DC sponsored. But that's where we. That's where we all hey, hang yeah, out. Can you? Can you? Can you download it from DC? No. Nope. Or not? Are you? Are you? Oh, okay. We're like Sorry. bootlegging it. Uh, <laughs> we're like. We're like, we're like bathtub gin. You know, I have a bunch of free episodes that I did for two years on DC that you can check out. But the new podcast is subscription, and it's pretty much no fluff. It's basically a training podcast about live cash. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's $9 a month. If you subscribe now, you get access to all the content. I've been doing it for maybe 10 months, so there's at least 40 episodes up there. And then I have a site called crushlivepoker.com, which is training videos, but it's over live poker. I'm really the only one that has the ability to do live training videos about live poker over live poker. It's not over a hand reader. It's over live with a bike, which is a live cash game, and it's like a regular training video. Um, if some guys have listened or seen my series called Poker With Your Pants On, the Crush Live Poker is like the last four videos of Poker With Your Pants On. It's over live video. Agreed, and it's definitely like a, a unique, um, unique kind of niche in the training uh, industry. And I've heard a lot of good things about it, although I have not subscribed yet because I don't get a chance to play as much live as I would like to. Um, but uh, recently, I, I saw on Reddit people were asking for podcast suggestions, and yours was definitely very highly rated. Um, I know that TJ from our show is uh, big on it, and he says that it really helps him improve, and I got to see that when I was out in Vegas and played with him some. Um, like one guy said, you know, it's basically, if you're a live player, it's two big blinds a month or less, um, or big bets a month or less, so totally worth it. Cool. Yep. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a good uh, I've got a co- good base of subscribers now. Almost a thousand between the two sites, and just growing, so... Definitely. uh, I don't know. I mean, there might be. I don't know of other lives like material that's out there that other training sites put out. This is really the only thing I know of. Um, And also, like, some of the stuff that I've seen or just, like, read articles about, like, um, I think I watched a training video about live poker on some other site, and I don't remember what it was, but I don't know, like, a lot of these guys that come from online that do live training, like, I, I, I listen to some of the things they say about, like, patterns, and it's just, like, like, live poker is all about recognizing being a fish fryer and knowing, like, what certain patterns mean from fish, meaning, like, oh, well, this guy min-raised this type of board with this stack, or he overbet this river with this stack and this scare card, what that means in general. Now, you don't necessarily know all the time what it means, but usually you can get to like 70, 80, 90% certainty what certain things mean. Like when I talk about, you know, if you've got kings and the board comes out jack seven deuce and you bet out 50 into a pot, it's up and a guy makes it 
100, that is almost always going to be like King Jack, something like that. But mm-hmm. I've seen like other guys who do training, they just don't understand. They just don't, they don't pick up the patterns. That was one of the things that TJ really emphasized that he liked about your stuff is that um, just your experience in playing with playing in live games um, and you know knowing what these certain things mean was something that he he got the most out of uh, your your videos and podcast. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I think that's basically what it, what it's all about, you know. Mm-hmm. It's something we talked about. We had Ed Miller on a few weeks ago, and he was saying that you know you think of online players, you, you're looking at your HUD. Oh, I only have 50 hands on them. I can't really trust anything. We're live. If you're really paying attention, if someone does something once, you know a lot about how they think about poker. And I, I think the guys that come from online are used to kind of autopiloting, autopiloting it, and then just, you know, figuring it out when they have a big sample. And that's hours at live poker. Well, yeah. I mean, you can, you can pick out huge. I mean, you can make really big, gross generalizations about the way someone plays by just seeing like one hand, like. I used an example of a hand where there's probably like the, and then I'm actually going to have to run guys because my cash game is starting, but uh, it's starting in the background. But uh, I used an example where, uh, uh, actually on Juice Plays a couple of years ago, where I opened with 8-9 suited, and a guy three bet out of the blind. We were like super deep in 5-10, like 3,000, and I called. And the board came out queen 8-9. Um Queen eight nine rainbow, so I flop bottom two. And this is a three bet pot, so this guy bet the flop. He bet like, you know, two hundred and twenty into like three hundred, and I made it like seven hundred. Totally expecting him to call with an overpair, and then I was going to take him his value down. And then he just opened ships. He bet three bet ships the flop, and this was a young Asian kid. Now I had never seen him before, and if it was an old guy, I might tend to call there a whole lot more thinking he's overplaying aces. But I looked at this guy and this young guy and I was like, wow, like I think I might have to give this guy credit for pocket queens, you know, or if he somehow free that with, uh, you know, he, he, he free that with Jack 10 or something like that. Um, and, uh, I thought about it for a long time cause I never see nowadays people bet three, bet 300 big blinds with aces. If you're a young guy in there and I folded and the guy ended up having aces and I was wrong. And a couple, like, literally, like, a couple hands later, I see this guy limp in under the gun plus one with jack three of clubs. <laughs> now, if I had if I had saw that hand go down before, I never would have folded. Mm-hmm. Just from that just from that one little piece of information. Yeah. That he limped in jack three of clubs. You know? So. Awesome. Well, uh, we don't want to keep you from your game. Thanks for coming on. Do you have, like, a Twitter that people can follow you on? or? Yeah. Sure. At Bart Hansen. Cool, and uh, check out his site, CrushLivePoker.com. Yeah. And uh, where can people find the the Deuce Plays Premium? Uh, on Deuce's Craft. Uh, or you can just Google it. Awesome. All right, well, well thanks so much, and uh, crush, right. crush your games right now. All right, cool. Thanks a lot. See you later, guys. Hey guys, this is Mitch's Minute, the best podcast segment on the internet, and today I want to talk about Australia's second most popular alcoholic beverage behind Foster's, which is wine. 
There's actually several regions of Australia that have similar soil and weather conditions to those in southern France, making it an ideal region for viticulture. Australia is actually the fourth largest wine exporting nation in the world, and is best known for making top quality Chardonnay and Shiraz varieties. But the Cabernets, Melos and Sauvignon Blancs are good as well. With that said though, the most popular form of wine consumed in Australia itself is known as Goon Wine. Goon Wine starts off as a box of wine, but you take the bladder or bag or goon out of the box and throw the box away or make it into a silly hat or something. It's also very important to slap the goon before you drink out of it. Uh, you can drink goon by itself or you can mix it with juice or coke. Um, please don't judge us in Australia. This is Mitch's Minute, the best podcast segment on the internet. Thanks. All right, thanks a lot to Bart, Mitch, and TJ, and Bryce, of course. You're welcome. Why did you thank me? I always thank you. <laughs> Try to, at least. I appreciate it, I guess. Yeah, because you're not Tom. That's why. And, uh, yeah, I don't normally plug this stuff, so go to Facebook, Twitter, iTunes. You know, you'll find it, Badoogie All-Stars. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Give us a thumbs up on Facebook or a high five on Twitter, whatever, whatever the hell you can do. <laughs> it's weird that you don't normally plug the stuff for us. <laughs> That's badoogieallstars.com, at least if you want to find one of oh, the yeah, things yeah. that Tom just mentioned. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. the easiest. Good. Um, yeah, why don't you give us a high five on Twitter, too? Good job. <laughs> um, we wanted to quickly congratulate Zach Elwood, who's getting married today as we record this. He will be married for days by the time this comes out. Um, he would not let me write his wedding vows, even though he asked for someone to write his wedding vows for him. He told me he did not want it to be a bunch of shitty jokes and one good one. I assume because <laughs> the one good one would be totally out of place and material that he is presenting. Nice. Burn. <laughs> and as a wedding gift, make sure to pick up his book, Reading Poker Tells. You should probably not give him that as a wedding gift. He probably has No, not give it to him as a wedding gift. Buy that, is what I was saying. <laughs> that, would, that would be great if we everyone just mail him his book as a wedding <laughs> gift. <laughs> but sign it for him so it's autographed. Yeah. There you go. Put it in a toaster. I'll, I'll do that um, for the next wedding gifts. Be like, well, I bought something that you sold, so... Let's call it even. Huh? <laughs> I, I once gave a friend in college for his birthday a bunch of his own CDs. So, what? Okay, in college, when you were in college, CDs were probably still we had a viable then. thing. <laughs> the fact they were his makes them not really a viable gift at any point. I, I didn't say a viable gift, just a viable thing. All right. Um, well, with that said, this is two four offsuit. It's Tech Boy Super Bowl. This is Nixon the Grouch. I'm so out of order. <laughs> Sigh. I have three CDs on my phone. If they're on your phone, they're not CDs. And you can't answer your phone very well.